Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Joining me today for this Loveland Libcast episode, I have Preston, who is our library security monitor. Hello, Preston. Hello. And I have Shane, who is our systems administrator. Hello, Shane, and howdy, welcome to the podcast. Howdy, howdy. What makes this episode so extremely special? It is coming out on May the 4th, and this is our Star Trek versus Star Wars episode. Preston will be representing Star Wars, and Shane will be representing Star Trek. They're also representing their departments, so there's really a lot at stake. That's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> I, I should have mentioned that before we started recording. How much was at stake in this episode? <laughs> yeah, wow. This got really tense suddenly. Before we get to Star Trek versus Star Wars, I'd like to get to know both of you a little bit. We'll start with you, Preston. As I said, you are the security monitor here at the Loveland Public Library, and you are in the customer service department, is that correct? Yes, the customer service department, along with my supervisor, Jake, who oversees the department, Lori and Darlene, who oversee the uh, material handlers and front desk duties. I'm in that department with them as well. However, my primary duties are helping ensure the safety of both staff and patrons as they come and use the facility. So anything that kind of involves that, be it, you know, um, disturbances in the building, uh, medical issues, general safety things, fire, stuff like that. All that kind of falls under the different things I handle. The way I kind of like to tell new librarians when they come on board is uh, my job is to help make sure you can do your job. So anything I can do to help you accomplish that goal, I consider kind of under my purview and I'm always happy to help. And how long have you been here at the library? I've been here since September of 2019. So almost going on three years here in All like right. six months. <laughs> and is this the first library that you've worked at? Yeah, this is my first. I've always been a big library patron. Before this, I'd always used Pooter Library because I live in Fort Collins. But uh, yeah, this is my first first time actually getting into the whole library business i suppose before this i worked in corrections for larimer county and that was a totally kind of different career field and so switching gears to come over here was definitely a challenge but one that's been a lot of fun and are you originally from colorado yeah born and raised i'm out on the eastern plains by nebraska a little town called haxton middle of nowhere closest one anybody might recognize would probably be sterling all right none of those well you're, you're from like ohio aren't you yeah <laughs> 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 Are you from Ohio? I am from Ohio. All right. Did you? Did I, did I not tell you that? No, I don't oh, think so. I guess I don't really tell people. Like, hey, I'm from Ohio. Well, but like, at least <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a fun fact. <laughs> like you drop in casual conversation. Yeah. You know. So the fun fact about you, Shane, is that you're from Ohio. And another fun <laughs> fact is that you're a systems administrator. That's also very fun. For, for people who don't know, what does a library systems administrator do? You know, when you boil it down, I'm the IT person. It doesn't sound quite as glamorous as, you know, saying I'm the sysadmin. But, you know, I'm the IT person. But um, really, I mean, it's about maintaining all of our, our systems, our servers, our network, applications it's you know traditionally it's everything once you hit that dmark point from the isp from your internet service provider everything from there to what preston's breaking on break a computer, lot of stuff. which is a lot a significant yeah. amount that's that's the sysadmins realm so it's it's all encompassing 
And you're part of what we call the LTI department. That's correct. Yeah, LTI is really about, you know, digital literacy and how we reach the community and how we make sure that, you know, we provide what the community needs technology-wise. So I kind of serve as like a, a technological, you know, authority on that. So mm-hmm. And people might see you, Preston, at the front of the library when they come in mm-hmm. and Shane. Sometimes they might see you uh, at the public computer lab yeah. helping folks out there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's often down at my desk fixing things. That, too, that happens too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, they might see you two together. Yeah. They could ask questions about science fiction or these two franchises, perhaps. Oh, yeah. I'm big into sci-fi. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you catch me at the LDI desk, love to chat. So. And Shane, how long have you been here at the Loveland Public Library? It's been six months, seven months. It was it was Seems late like last long. year. It was like, like that, September uh, or August of of 2021 is uh, when I when I rolled on in. And is this your first library position, or have you worked at other libraries? Before? No, yeah, this is the first one. This is the first time I've been in a library in this capacity. So, been in many libraries, in many states. I have a lot of library cards, but yeah, this is my first job at a library. How long have you been in Colorado? It's been. Two years, about two years now. All right. That um, I, we moved here during the pandemic. Okay. Which was not a, a fun experience. Would not recommend it in the future if a pandemic occurs again. Yeah. Uh, don't don't move. Yeah. Not that moving is ever fun. But no, definitely not. No, when we got here, and it's like we didn't know anybody. But you can't like, you're not going out to right. meet folks. Yeah. You know? So times have changed a little yeah. bit. But you just make friends with animals at the park. yeah 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 squirrels. Like, to see. Well, that's why we started like fostering dogs. So yeah. Just make dog friends. Yeah, dog friends. <laughs> That'll be our next podcast. <laughs> you bring Winston on. Uh, yeah, you bring Winston. I'll bring. Uh, I'll bring my dog Nora. Yeah. It'll be great. They'll get along. Well, uh, thank you both for being on the podcast. I'm looking forward to this. I'm sure folks at home they're looking for a way to celebrate May the Fourth, and what better way than a little Star Trek versus Star Wars talk? How this is going to work is I'm going to ask each of you the same question. Preston will be arguing for Star Wars. Shane will be arguing for Star Trek. And I will award points after each question is answered. I've given them the the question. So they, they've been able to prep beforehand. They don't know what the other one is going to say. Except for the ninth and tenth questions, those ones are going to be a surprise. So you are both ready. So <laughs> we will jump into this. Star Trek versus Star Wars. This is the first of what may be many. <laughs> but at least we will, for once and all, decide which is the better franchise. Yeah, it, it comes down to this. So I have I, I got to preface this with I'm a huge Star Trek fan as well. So this is pretty difficult. But. I was a Star Wars fan. Yeah, it's Before definitely my first love. I was a Trek fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. So. But I've got a hefty respect for both franchises. I do too, but one is definitively better. That's the objective reality, so. Yeah, oh, Let, yeah I, I, I want to explore this just a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get into to your fandom, since you're the experts today. We'll start with you again, Preston. So what is your Star Wars and Star Trek oh, history? Man, I have been... The biggest Star Wars nerd since I can even I can, I can remember. Star Wars everything. I used to have like, they used to have the original trilogy on VHS. 
you know, of course, George Lucas came out with like 18 different versions. I had to have all of them. And then I had like all the figurines still in the boxes and the ships and every every Star Wars book that came out I'd have to read and watch the movies over and over again. I was at the right age where the prequels were coming out, right? You know, as I was, you know, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. And so I got that's where I got my first movie theater experience of Star Wars and of course fell in love and then keep that as you grow older and then, you know, grow to appreciate the original films more and then I still get just as excited when every new little tidbit Star Wars comes out, which has been pretty regular now, and just freak out and get real nerdy about it. So you've watched, I'm guessing you're at least, you've either watched or you're familiar with like all of the cartoons and oh yeah yep. uh, stuff that's on Disney+. Plus. There's and... two things that I've never watched. The one is the newer Star Wars Rebel show on like Nick or something like that. It's the one for really younger kids, I think. Is that it's Rebels? Not, no, it's or... not Rebels. It's, there's another one. I'm not familiar with that one. And then I've never watched the holiday special, which I think that's kind of a Star Wars sin. Yeah. Like you have to. I know. I've you seen have bits to and bear pe- that burden. Bits and pieces of, of having it, seen it. But yeah. I just I can't. Ooh, that's a doozy. I'll save you. I'll save you like 20 minutes. It's just it's like 20 minutes of, of Wookiees just doing Wookiee sounds. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. imitate it on this podcast because I want to humiliate myself. But that's the whole movie. That's and what, it's I humiliate myself. All yeah, time, it's not. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll edit this episode so it ends with twenty minutes of Wookiees <laughs> making Wookiee sounds. Sketcher. That was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's just a sound I make waking up every morning. <laughs> but you like Star Trek as well. Yeah, I started with the Next Generation, of course, as a lot of people did, just watching reruns all the time. You know, because it used to be on on you know cable back when people had normal cable. And I'd just sit down and watch you know watch Picard and their shenanigans. And then, of course, went into Voyager. Really like that. Um, the one I never did get into was Deep Space Nine, just because by the time I got to it, I was a little older, and it doesn't quite look the same on a you know on a newer TV. So it was a little hard for me to get into. But yeah, I watched all the movies. I, I nerd out for Star Trek almost as hard as Star Wars. It just doesn't quite get the, the heart beating as much as the Wars does. And Shane, you are a resident Star Trek. <laughs> expert I, yeah, um, yeah that's my title <laughs> actually <laughs> add it to your name badge. it's it's star systems administrator yeah, no, that, that actually sounds pretty cool i'm not gonna lie that. i'm gonna see if i can change my title i'll, I'll sign that petition <laughs> what has your star trek experience been or star wars i also i mean i love star wars and not to copy you but I also, I saw Star Wars before I saw Star Trek, and the first movie I ever saw was The Phantom Menace, episode one. I loved it. I love Jar Jar Binks. Do I still? (laughs) No, and we won't talk about that. But yeah, I I fell in love with that movie, and then the subsequent episode two and episode three, you know, and like seeing the originals was, was really cool. I've never seen any of the cartoons or anything, but, you know, I've kept up with the Disney Plus shows that have come out, you know, The Mandalorian, namely, being like... That's the one, like, even non-Star Wars fans are like, I could watch this. It's like a Western, you know? But for Star Trek, you know, I, I was older before I got into Star Trek. I remember way back when, the Sci-Fi Channel still exists? Is that still? I think it's spelled Siffy now. It's Siffy, yeah, yeah. Siffy Channel. Well, it used to be the Sci-Fi Channel back in my day, mm-hmm. and they played Sci-Fi. But they would play reruns of, like, The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and, like, you know, not Star Trek, but, like, Dune and stuff, you know? And honestly, I hated it. 
<laughs> absolutely loathed it when it was back on TV because it was like I was like 13 and Star Wars had lightsabers and it was flashy and action and you know in here it's just like Picard quoting like Shakespeare and it just went way over my head but you know as I got older I came to appreciate it and like some of the the deeper themes that they explore I've recently gone back and like rewatched a lot of Star Trek material and really like fell in love again like wow it's just the the, the breadth of themes they explore is just blow Star Wars out of the water. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek definitely has such a wide range of, you know, topics. And it just goes so deep on things. But it also has a movie dedicated to space whales. So, so you know, a lot of people consider the space whale movie to be one of the best ones. I'm not disagreeing, but space whales save the day. You know, it's... Even the wise do not know all ends. <laughs> you know, the, the space whales still could prove to save humanity. So. Well, they did. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I now feel very confident and comfortable that you're both experts in your fields. I like that there's a little bit of crossover <laughs> fandom as well. Now, I think that we are ready to get this started. So, I'll start with you, Shane, for the first question. Oh, no. And then Preston will answer this for Star Wars. But question number one, which has the best hero? Okay. Hold on. I got to get my, I get out my, uh, my essay answers here that I did. <laughs> if you'd have printed them out, that'd have been, it would have been pages. <laughs> I was really writing this. So I've got to kind of condense a little bit and like paraphrase. I wrote four words for this. <laughs> I already know what I, you know, I was thinking to myself, I know what Preston's going to write for these answers. Cause I know what I would write. Yeah. It's not a like star a Wars secret. I had Jake read over him and he's like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> so the best hero, you know, a lot of people are going to say James T Kirk because he's kind of like the quintessential, like sci-fi action hero. You know, I think Gene Roddenberry once said something about star Trek as wagon train in space. You know, it's like kind of Western, you know, they kind of do cowboy diplomacy. That's James T. Kirk. Like he's running around like he just punches aliens, you know, and that's his whole shtick. But the best hero, it's Jean-Luc Picard. Hands down. I'm not taking any gruff about that. It's Picard. I agree. With you. Um, Picard just, he's got style. Quote Shakespeare. You know, he's doing like noir detective reenactments. He's got that T. Earl Grey hot, you know, he's got like a signature drink. But like more importantly, like what makes Picard so good? You know, it's not just sure he can punch aliens and he does. He fights off three Nausicans and gets stabbed in the heart. But like part of what makes Picard so powerful is he believes so confidently in his crew. They trust him and he trusts them with his life, you know, and it comes up multiple times. Picard's not afraid to be wrong, and that's powerful. He's willing to admit that he's wrong, and he's willing to defer to his crew, and he saved more lives than Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or anybody, really. He also, I mean, he had seven seasons of a show and, like, four movies to do it, <laughs> but still. Um, I had a new show just for him. It, it, well, and that's that, that was kind of my next point is Picard is so popular. Like, they pulled him out of retirement Patrick Stewart, sir, Patrick Stewart, to do a whole new series. I haven't seen it yet, so spoilers. Oh, it's good. Yeah. That's what everybody says. I haven't, I love Picard, have not watched the new show yet. I'm kind of. It's definitely worth watching. I'm going to go I'm, through Deep Space Nine in its entirety. I'm getting off topic, sorry. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, Picard, I mean, he's got like deep insight into politics and history. 
he stood part of the next generation is like he stands on trial for all of humanity's crimes and that's to defend humanity as a race to the Q continuum, which we'll talk about later. What a cool character, you know? Leadership, saving it's, lives. And it's like somebody um, once referred signature to Picard. Signature drink. He has a signature drink, you know? And somebody once referred to him as, um, like, he's like the people's captain, you know? When Picard comes on, you know whatever problem is, is at hand, he's probably the wisest man in the room. But again, he's willing to defer. And like, that's a, that's a special type of wisdom. Yeah. So. yeah. Very compelling case. I mean, you make a good case. And I, uh, for best hero in Star Trek, I would agree. Huge Picard fan. You know, he's like the embodiment of everything it means to be Starfleet. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a quote he has. Um, there's a quote where he's talking to Wesley Crusher after Wesley Crusher kind of makes a a big oopsie Oops. a big oopsie and he um he says the first duty of every starfleet officer is to the truth whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth it's the guiding principle on which starfleet is based and if you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened you don't deserve to wear that uniform it's deep cuts that's i mean that's picard you know so i would counter with i think the best hero in, overall is darth vader He's wow. Gone. Yeah. Okay. That's that's <laughs> way out in left field. Yeah. So like he starts out as the hero. Yeah. You know the the chosen one kid, and then he goes through the great fall to the dark side and transitions into probably the most recognizable villain in science fiction. Maybe all film. You know, in some aspects, just the person who embodies fear. Like you, you get scared when you first see yeah. Vader. Yeah, the the voice, like he's so intimidating. And then you go through the next arc of his story where it's him coming back to the light and redeeming himself. Because it's ultimately Darth Vader who defeats the Emperor. It's, you know, and saves the galaxy and puts everything back in balance. And so that's what that's what Star Wars is, is the story of Darth Vader, both starting as a hero, falling to the dark side, and then coming back as a hero. The original trilogy and I mean the prequel, the original six series arc is all about Anakin coming back to the light and going through that full balance of one side to the other and then finding kind of peace at the end there, um, having explored both sides. So that's where I kind of get the whole he brings balance is that he experiences both sides of light and dark and then finds peace in the end. And then his son is able to learn from that and walk kind of the way of the gray, you know, where it's not fully dark, not fully light, but that balance in the middle. So that's where I think he gets you know, fulfills that prophecy of bringing balance is showing his son, the next generation of who's going to teach Jedi, whether it worked out or not. No, but spoiler, he did not work out, <laughs> um, but he sets it up there as in, OK, uh, you've seen what happens both ways here. So now I've shown you what balance can really be in the end there after he does the whole Batista slam on Palpatine down the weirdly placed shaft to the middle of yeah, it's very convenient <laughs> like, it's just right there like just, to the core we didn't have anywhere else to put this shaft of death but we put it right in the middle of your control as a, as a sysadmin i really loathe that design decision like they're 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 sysadmins terrible terrible choice what but it's not like that's that's the mission critical like stuff right there and like palpatine's bedroom or whatever i don't know yeah that, thinking about palpatine like outside the office when he's like oh man i'm just gonna relax listen to some opera and then i don't even care about the shaft of death in it the could middle. be like a good like a white noise machine you know 
Well, like he sleeps at night and you can hear like the hum of like the screams of people falling down. <laughs> well, I mean, he is a Sith, so yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's my take on who's the best hero. Oh, I, I like that. I like kind of an interpretation of the hero's journey in itself. Someone, yeah, that's it's very you both make very good arguments. Shane, I'm gonna award you five phasers for your answer, and Preston. I'm going to award you five Ewoks for your answer. You could do lightsabers or something. <laughs> so, so I, guess wow, I think you get the cool weapon. I'm, I get stuck with weird little space bears. I've already won. <laughs> Moving on to our second question: cannibalistic space bears that will straight up eat people. Which which series or franchise has the best? Or worst villain. So who's just the most evil? Preston, I'll start with you this time. I'm going to go where my original thought was Vader before I realized that he's actually the hero. But the worst one for me is going to be Darth Sidious slash Emperor Palpatine. Because he's the architect of everything the Sith have ever dreamed of. And finally initiates, you know, the 10,000 year plan of the, you know, the Sith to take over the galaxy. And he does it with precision. Everything he does is so measured and he engineers not only the fall of the Jedi, but takes what the person who is supposed to be the end of the Sith and bring balance to the force and twists them into becoming the, the most feared person in the galaxy. The, you know, the embodiment of evil there for a while in Vader and you know in the end he's Vader's enemy and the one he overcomes so that's how you get to be the worst villain is you're the villain of who everybody else thinks is the worst villain already so you're like the badder bad and I think that's what makes him so bad it's not only he's calculated and cold and thinking and engineers this giant incredible scheme to bring down this massive uh, order basically by just being sneaky I mean he's really in it for the long game yeah I mean, Darth Maul, he just sits on his haunches for how many years? I mean, just just waiting for yeah, the right moment. And it know? started from when he was young because he grew up on Naboo, just the same as like Malmadala did, and engineers everything from then. And because he became a Sith Lord just like right before the series starts, so it's not like he was like doing that years before. He starts pretty much at Episode One, a little bit before, and then builds all this from there. You can say a lot of like the Q in Star Trek and all that, but they all think they're doing the right thing. Sidious knows that he's evil and is like, I'm cool with that. This is how I roll. Just straight evil. And that's what makes him the worst because that's what true evil is, is knowing what you're doing is wrong and still wanting to do it. All right, Shane. A hot take. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sidious is very evil. Palpatine is very evil. But my most villainous villain in Star Trek is that my villain, they don't even have concepts of good and evil. They're so evil. They're the antonym of everything our heroes want to do. And that's the Borg. Oh, I, I figured you'd bring up the I Borg. I mean, the Borg, I mean, let's just aesthetically, they're, they're cold, calculating. They're, they've got like that mottled gray skin and like these gruesome metallic appendages and like laser eyes, you know, one laser eye. You take Uncanny Valley to like its most disgusting extreme, you know, because they've got one human eye, one laser eye, and just everything about them is just unsettling. It's not about conquering the galaxy. It's not about converting anybody in a sense like, you know, Palpatine. It's just about assimilation, you know? And there's no 
There's no reasoning with them. There's no finding common ground. There's no no surrender. You can't appeal to their emotions. You, you It's just survival, and that's it. You can't join their side. I mean, you have no options. You, you survive or you get assimilated. And, like, Picard gets assimilated and just has, like, that terrible, like, he has, like, PTSD for, for years after. I mean, it haunts him. I mean, mm. the Borg are just truly terrifying. In a galaxy where, like, your heroes are out, their whole mission is to, like, make peaceful relationships with the denizens of the galaxy. And they're out there forming these with people. And they come across this race that just is the antithesis of that. No interest in that whatsoever, you know. That's that's horrifying. My counter would be, first of all, Picard is locutus, is sweet, <laughs> is that I don't even see the Borg so much as a villain. They are a technological force of nature. The consequences of a species at one point that made it to the, what do they, what do they call it? The, um, oh, like the, the, singularity. the singularity. Yeah, they make it to that point, and then all of a sudden nature just takes over. If the Borg, what they were, if you take out the the assimilation part of it, what's their motive? You know, they just want to exist because that's the natural form of... Are you saying the Borg are good? No, I'm not, say, I'm not saying the Borg are good, but I'm not saying they're evil. It's like it's like a hurricane, you know, or an avalanche. Once you get it going, it's not, it's not an evil force, even though it, you know, can murder and destroy. It's just a force that's almost unconquerable and unbeatable. Well, I think the Borg Queen would have words with you about that, you know? Yeah. The Borg Queen is not, you know, she's out to correct all imperfections. And I got to remind you, resistance is futile. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hard to beat that one. Both excellent points. I'm going to award Preston with 15 tauntauns for this answer. Stinking. (laughs) (laughs) Shane, I'm going to give 15 Klingons for his That's answer. pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I was going to try to speak Klingon, but I can't remember. Uh, you know, the, what's that drink they have? Warnog? Remember Warnog? All I know is like Doskwa. Well, there's that, but like, no, they call it Warnog. And I was like, that's like, that sounds like a, like a pre-workout powder. <laughs> like, Warnog, you know? <laughs> gotta, gotta go pound my Warnog yeah, before I, I go. Yeah, I my Warnog before Get I go. Swole. Yeah, like, I, I love that. <laughs> okay, question number three. Which franchise has the best movie? Shane, let's start with you. You put me between a rock and a hard place because I just like Star Wars has. I mean, Star Wars is about the movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's you've got to be really into Star Trek to want to watch the movies. I mean, I think everybody's kind of seen like the Wrath of Khan, you know, and the Khan. But most people will probably say that's the best movie. But I'm going to want to go against. It's not the Space Wells movie. (laughs) You know, although a lot of people will probably rank that in their top five. I'm going to go against the grain, and I'm going to probably sacrilege, but First Contact is the best Star Trek movie. Again, maybe I'm partial to the Next Generation series, but, I mean, that movie, it's like, I mean, it's kind of like like it opens up, and it's like a real slow burn. It's almost like Alien, you know, Mm. where, like, it starts off, it's slow, it's kind of mundane, and, like, things just get progressively more tense and a little creepier until, like, suddenly it's like, bam, Borg. Worst case scenario, dial it up to 100. Everything that everybody's ever been terrified of is coming true. And not just for humanity, but for like Picard. He's having a bad time too, you know? Which is also part of why I think it's such a good movie for especially Picard as a character. Because like at the beginning, spoilers, like he finds out his brother and his beloved nephew have died. 
and then you know he's having these terrible dreams about the Borg, and then it comes true that the Borg are invading. You know, they're invading Earth, and just I mean, what a great movie. You know, exploring that. There's time travel, and you can see Data with his emotion chip. He kind of serves as like comedic relief. But it, I mean, also I think all of the cast kind of have to stand on their own merits throughout the movie. You know, it's because they're kind of separated a little bit working on their own independent things. We get the time travel back to like a pivotal moment in like human history in Star Trek, you know, the first contact. And like they bring it up and you don't know what it's about. And then like they finally drop that. And it's it's just, it's almost like a revelation where it's, you know, it, it, they're going back to Zephram Cochran, I think his name is. He's mm-hmm. like this, he's, he's honestly, he's a drunk, you know, who's just out to make money. But he ends up like creating a warp drive and flying out into space just at the right moment and it turns out at that moment it's the vulcans you know Mm -hmm. which is so cool from like a star trek fan perspective because like you know like the vulcans like humanity's like first allies you know but to see that come full circle and it's like oh the first aliens to actually even show up on earth say hi have a drink shake hands it was the vulcans the whole time you know it's a little weird that it was like Zephram Cochran they met because he makes them listen to that. He's also the farmer from Babe. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> what else? He's in a couple of other. That'll things. do. That'll do, pig. But um, do. he makes them listen to like that Roy Orbison song, the the Ooby Dooby. You know? Wow, what a way to like make first contact was like let's listen to Ooby Dooby by Roy Orbison. Walkins change them. We're leaving now. We're, I think First Contact is probably my favorite Star Trek movie. But I'm a, like one of the biggest things that I like about Star Wars and Star Trek are the spaceships. Huge spaceship nerd, and oh. it's the first time you see the Sovereign class. Yeah, the, uh, the Enterprise. E? Enterprise. Yeah, e. I meant e. that was a point I had written down. That ship is so cool. Yeah, it's like it's an awesome. Ship. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's like seeing like a, a you know a Star Destroyer for the first time. You're like, what is that? I want a toy. I want a game <laughs> where I can drive it. I want one in real life. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm not qualified. Yeah, but love it. I think Star Trek. Just has too much fun with time travel. Too often, it's like every new thing. It's, it's like, oh, we're going back in time. It's, like, it's really. I, okay. I agree. It's it, it, the whole timey wimey thing is like okay, but they could have that whole Vulcan at the end thing. That could have been a new race. They could have like you know yeah. copped out, but like they they brought it all full circle. It's kind of like how Marvel does their thing, where like they're all about continuity. Yeah. So and this was like in the eighty or the nineties. So. And on top of that, there's that scene where Worf shoots that satellite with all the Borg on it. And he's like, assimilate this. That's so cool. <laughs> like, Worf action hero. That's so Michael cool. Dorn is underappreciated. Oh, yeah. Michael yeah. Dorn. Uh, he's in uh, Deep Space Nine, too. He, and yeah, it's just, there. yeah, it's great. Yeah. My counter for this, probably not going to surprise anybody, is Empire Strikes Back. I, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, well, who did? Away. The greatest sci-fi movie of all time. I mean, it's got everything. And it starts out with... <laughs> The first view of the Superstar Destroyer, the Executor, Vader's personal flagship, and it is as giant and intimidating as he is. And then you go to the Battle of Hoth. This awesome thing, you see AT-ATs for the first time, the ATSTs. just this giant space sci-fi fantasy battle on this snowy hellscape. You know, you see Luke using the, the windy tow cable thing to knock one down, using his lightsaber, the, the Wampa. Just get getting I whooped by a wampa. The, I love the wampa yeah. scene though. Hiding in a tauntaun, it stinks. Like it starts out so great, and then you go through. You meet Yoda for the first time. Does this little backpack flippy thing? Beats R two with a stick. 
And then I've, that's also I love that moment too. <laughs> and you know, and then of course you've got Boba Fett showing up, which I mean, who's a bigger piece of fandom than Boba Fett? I gotta say, not even thirty seconds of screen time in that movie, and like launched how many like toys? <laughs> yeah, like people love Boba Fett, and it's like what you don't even know who Boba Fett is. The, he's just he just shows up and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll go get Han Solo also, later. Yeah, I'm pretty cool and. It's just, I mean, yeah, he just walks in like that yeah. and he's like, he's no good to me dead. And that's that, you know, but then of course you have the iconic reveal of Vader being Luke's father. Everybody, even if you've never seen Star Wars, you know what happens there. And, you know, that's what makes it the best is you don't even have to know anything about Star Wars to know what came out of that third act big reveal there. And that's, you know, to me, that's what makes it the best movie. I can't argue with like the cultural impact of yeah. Empire Strikes Back as opposed to the, like the 15 Star Trek movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's quality over quantity sometimes. Wow, those are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> For those answers, Shane, I'm going to award you 30 Federation credits for your answer. Federation doesn't have money. Yeah, <laughs> they don't need money. In fact, they're they're they, yeah they have no. It's they don't live for the acquisition of wealth anymore. Thirty Romulan ales. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And for Preston, Should be illegal. For Preston, I'm going to award you thirty droids oh, for your oh, answer. I'll take droids. Astromech droids or don't give me the uh, C3PO's. Which franchise has the coolest piece of technology? Preston, we'll start with you. This is going to be a short one. Uh, lightsabers. I knew uh, that was coming too. Enough said. All right. Like, I mean, <laughs> shame. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. Let me. I've got a long piece about this. Um, I mean, there's not, there's a lot of cool, Star Trek is like, it's not hard sci-fi, but it's harder sci-fi than Star Wars is. Yeah. So there's a lot of gadgets. Like there's like the replicator, the hollow deck. All, all these cool technologies that people use to like make their lives better, but um, I think in terms of like what's the coolest piece, it's probably like the tricorder. I mean, like there's still um, I, th I can't remember the name of the organization, but there's still like a million dollar prize out there if you can make a tricorder because it would be so impactful to like human society now. If you don't know what it is, it's like it does sensing, analyzing, and recording. Honestly, it's a lab on a cell phone. You know, you can diagnose like illnesses, you can read like anomalies in subspace, you know, you can do all these crazy things with a tricorder. And it's I, people are really like people are trying to make lightsabers, too. But that's just so you can cut stuff in half. What, and, now it's an elegant go, weapon, you know, for a more civilized. A, age, yeah, Shane. I know it is. But, you know, I, well, at the same time, though, Dash Rendar was pretty elegant. He used a blaster. Um, if you remember Dash Rendar, but I mean the tricorder, people want to make a tricorder, like not just to like cut stuff in half, but because I mean, it would be, I think the whole thing is to like let lay, lay person diagnose a whole array of medical issues almost instantly. You know, it would just, it would change how we do so many things. See, I guess my point against tricorders is that we've pretty <laughs> much already got them. You know, it's a cell phone. It's just, you know, the, in a couple years in the future. It's something that's easily obtainable or realistically obtainable by us. The lightsaber, it's not obtainable 
you know, realistically. This fantastical weapon that bridges the gap between sci-fi and fantasy and brings those two genres into one that really hadn't existed before, you know, to my, you know, culturally like it had, you know, where it's now it's sci-fi, but it's very much a fantasy. You know, people got swords and the space wizards and it's all more elegant version of sci-fi than we'd seen before you both make compelling cases and for your efforts preston i'm going to award you 56 lightsabers and shane i'm going to award you 56 holodecks that's pretty cool i could do so many things the holodeck is cool (laughs) you know i was gonna go with the holodeck but i just think you know the tricorder is just the fact that like there's like a bounty out to create one is just wild that is very cool yeah like people are just really want that question number five which franchise has the best alien life form shane we'll start with you i got it, a doozy for you so i you know I'm, i was really wondering what you would do preston because there's a <laughs> lot of like both star wars and star trek have a litany of like weird aliens although not steal the one i've uh, we've talked about before it's not the space whale. It's not the whales. I'm not going to bring up the whales. <laughs> the space whales are the best part. <laughs> I mean, they are. I love the whales. Although Star Wars so. did introduce space whales in one of their newer, um, the Rebels. Oh, yeah. oh they did? Yeah, well, like, yeah, sort of. Oh, okay. Space well, whales save the day. Um, the best alien life form, though. Really struggled with this because a lot of the aliens in Star Trek are just humans, but with like a little prosthetic on like their forehead and like maybe their skin's painted a weird color. But honestly, the Q continuum, I think, is, I mean, they're an alien life form, but they're above all of the petty squabbles in the universe. But at the same time, they are kind of all about petty squabbling. Like Q, the Q that we know, I mean, we only meet a couple of Q in the Q continuum, but they're like this godlike race that controls time, space, matter. I mean, all 15 dimensions that exist in Star Trek, they have control over it and they manipulate it sometimes in their own ends. You know, and, and like the series opens up with Q just deciding, hey, Picard, you're pretty cool. I'm going to put you on trial for humanity's crimes, by the way. That's just what I've decided I'm going to do today. You know, and throughout the series, it just does weird hijinks. You know, I mean, he's he's completely unknowable. We have no idea what Q is, what he's what his purpose is, why he's doing what he's doing. What a cool alien. See, I would counter with the fact that Q is annoying. <laughs> and every time he pops up, I'm like, really again? They're like, what do we? Who's the villain this week? And I go, we got Q still sitting in the back. I know, but he's still so, whipping out. He pops up and he's like, oh, hello, Mon Capitan. <laughs> oh, what happens if I put Picard in 1860s? With <laughs> just he's just it's just, it's just an annoying alien. But I will. This is going to throw everybody for a loop, and maybe I'm a traitor. I'm going to say Star Trek has the best alien because have you seen a Tribble? That's true. Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. Yeah. Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, you know, I, that crossed my mind too. It's like, would Tribble be the best? Yeah. Tribbles are, are the best cute. alien. Yeah. Star Wars has the coolest. They look weird, and but they're just part of that galaxy, that universe. It, to somebody living in there, there's nothing weird about them. But you throw one Tribble in the mix, and everything's on fire. Tribbles could take down the entire Star Wars and Star Trek universe. Exactly. That's why the Tribble is the best thing. And it, it's something that just sits there and quivers and kind of squeals a little bit. It reminds me of my dog. It's kind of like, like a, it's like a Furby. Yeah. Yeah, but it multiplies endlessly like a gremlin. Thanks for that, Preston. But hey, you know, you got to speak power of truth. And uh, Tribbles, terrifying, cute, and they're the best 
alien in either franchise. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, a surprise answer. Oh, then I think the best alien in Star Wars is probably the, what do you think, Jawas or... Uh, yeah, the, yeah, or, uh, I think the Jawas are probably a top one. I like the... pretty um, iconic. You know, there's so many like squid-faced looking things, yeah. like the, the Trandoshans are like giant, the space Gorn, you know, in a different way. They got, you know, the Tusken Raiders, although they're, I'm pretty sure they're just humans. My favorite, I don't know the name, but Jabba the Hutt's little friend who oh, all he does is laugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's um, my favorite. Um, Salacious B. Crow. So, yeah. The, the, like, no, but why do we even know his name? He's, they never, like, mention it in the movies, but everyone's like, oh, yeah, Salacious B. Crumb. Yeah. He's, the, the guy that does the laughing and the cackling yeah, beside Jabba the Hutt. He's just this little troll. You know, yeah. just like he's like some guy sitting on a fence, just making fun of you every time it's you like walk a, by. It's like a late night smack. show where Java's the host and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> salacious. I love that show. I would band watch leader. That. I is that it. is that a Jim Henson puppet or is that did he do they're, puppets they're for all, that? They're all puppets. For those answers, I'll just go ahead and award both of you one hundred replicator rations. I thought he was going to say 100 tribbles. I don't know. I was like, like 100 don't, I'd Take that back. I don't want that. <laughs> a thousand tribbles. To both. All right. Question all. six. We're hitting the home stretch. Which franchise has the most memorable quote? And we'll start with you, Preston. So here, I'm going to say the most memorable quote that everyone always gets wrong. Everybody always says, oh, Luke, I am your father. That's not in the movie. What Darth Vader says is, no, I am your father. And so just the cultural impact of that. Everybody knows that quote and everybody gets it wrong. But, you know, everybody knows what it's talking about. Everybody knows what that what that means, the context of it means. And it's, you know, again, one of those things where you don't even have to know. I've never seen Star Wars to know that Vader's Luke's father. And that's the line that it comes from. Shane? There's a lot of quotes. Honestly, I have like a pile of quotes. From Star Trek, but really, I think like one of the most iconic is um, the resistance is futile. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's it's it just it sums up the Borg. It's kind of terrifying to think about, you know, and it just it embodies everything that they are. I was also thinking about, you know, there's like the you know, make it so mm-hmm. or engage, you know, but they're just not quite as. I feel like people know resistance is futile. They might, may not know where I came from, but you know, yeah, that quote's been out there. Yeah, I, I was hoping you'd say, beam me up, Scotty. So I'd be like, nobody yeah, actually said that. Yeah, that's kind of why I was, yeah. It's yeah, not, right. not a thing. Preston you know? knows that nobody said that. Yeah, that's not, it's not a real quote. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And that was that was my counter to it. But yeah, but yeah. I, I think resistance is futile is if you know Star Trek, you know what that means. Well, for those answers, Shane, I'm going to award you 300 Quatlus. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I've really been waiting for those. How many quat have you had before? <laughs> Preston, I'm going to award you 300 Jedi mind tricks. Oh, that's a lot. I use those a lot. Question number seven. <laughs> which has the best friendship? Shane, we'll start with you. You know, there's a lot of great friendships in Star Trek. I mean, Kirk and Spock, Kirk and McCoy, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Um, but really, I think Jordy and Data are really like, that's such a cool friendship. And I think part of what makes it so cool is like both of them, like they have one of a kind perceptions on their world, you know, and they're the best of friends. 
Jordy is is blind in like a society where, you know, most of those things don't really exist anymore because of advances in medical technology. You know, so he sees with his visor and uh, he sees in a literally a unique way. He sees electromagnetic waves, you know, radio waves and everything. And then Data is like one of two androids to ever exist. I mean, nobody knows how they created him. They can't replicate him, you know, and he's just desperate to be a human, you know, and it's just these two, two people that just come together and like become, I mean, the best of friends, you know, there's multiple episodes that kind of test that where like, you know, data gets corrupted or something and, you know, but through all that, they they maintain that friendship. So I, I got another doozy here because you would expect me to say Han and Chewie. Because they're the most iconic duo ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, however, I'm going to say Star Trek because Kirk and Spock have the best friendship. Because oh, yeah. it took 35 years for Chewie to get one of those stupid medals. And he's the one that was flying alongside Han. And they were like, oh, you get you get a medal, Han. And then Chewie's like, what the heck? You know. So my answer is a protest. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I mean, Kirk and Spock is pretty... I mean, that was going to be my... My yeah. answer was Kirk and Spock. I mean, they're just, Kirk is like this cowboy diplomat and Spock is, you know, logic. He's, he's emotionless and kind of like, you know, Kirk's helps ground him in reality. Yeah. And I, you know, like if we were getting medals and I, and I got a medal and you didn't, I'd be like, where's Shane's medal? You're really upset about this. But Han, Han was never like, where's my, where's Chewie's medal? I never really even thought about that. You, yeah. This really cut you yeah, deep. I'm <laughs> mad about it still. <laughs> Chewie's like the backbone of Star I mean, Wars franchise, does almost. all of the literal heavy lifting. Yeah, he's he's one of the most important characters, and they're like, "Well, forget about the stupid space dog." And he gets like a bowcaster. Yeah, yeah, which is real cool. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, give him so yeah, my answer is in protest. Well, I appreciate your honesty, and <laughs> I want to award you both one thousand power converters. Might need those. Question well, yeah, eight. They go out every that 10 minutes. Every, yeah, that's, <laughs> what is this, a Starboard Power Converters <laughs> out again? <laughs> Question eight. Which has the best romance? And Preston, let's start with you. All right. So this is kind of a controversial one. Han and Leia, because they're really the only romance in Star Wars that you kind of see develop over time. And it's mostly because Star Trek, Kirk and Riker love everyone. So one of my answers is like one of the uh, James T. Kirk and everybody he meets. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why, you know, the two two big lovers in Star Trek kind of, you know, they're just kind of out there. Too many interests. Yeah. But Han and Leia, you know, they're sci fi's power couple. Um, and also because of Han's. How funny was it when Leia's like, oh, I love you, Han. And he's like, I know. I know. <laughs> Like or it gets put in carbonite. Yeah, yeah that's it just really cool. Just the biggest like for any nerd out there, and they're always like trying to replicate that moment. Just be that cool and collect it when you know any nerds like real happy whenever anybody's like, "Oh, I love you," and they're like, "Ah," but you got to be cool and play it like solo. I'm gonna like there's yeah there's not a lot of like super memorable romances in Star Trek, but if like had, I had to pick one, I was going to go with like Riker and Deanna Troy. See, I was... Yeah. Just because like there's this kind of like, it's kind of, there's that episode too where, um, well, they get married in the movie, Nemesis maybe, the 10th movie. I think it's Nemesis. Yeah, but like there's a series or a show in the series, Next Generation, like season six, I think, where uh, they find out that like Riker has been like, he got like transported off of a, a planet where he was stranded and like created a clone of him. And it turns out his clone was like waiting that entire time. And he was like, oh yeah, the only thing that kept me going was like seeing you again, Deanna, you know, after they find him, you know? And it's just like the, the whole episode is like, they're both the real Riker and Deanna Troy are like, oh, 
well, we really kind of messed that up. I feel bad about that. I regret that, you know? And it's just like the whole series is like a little bit of that. Like there's a little bit of tension. Like they both, they knew they wanted to be together, but they, 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 they couldn't, I guess, you know? But it does finally, they do get married eventually. Yeah. I mean, I, that, 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 to me, that's one of the most memorable ones in, in Star Trek. But also, I feel like Card and um, Beverly Crusher. Oh, yeah, that's you know, definitely like, up But there. we never really see it. Well, I think theirs is cool, too, because they decide eventually they're going to be friends, you know? And they're still, that, that bond of friendship is still just as powerful, you know, as it was when they were kind of involved with one another. So. Yeah, well, and that secretly, Picard's like, you know, I want to be with you, but you got Wesley, and he's a handful and I just can't handle. I, you know, I'm going to go back. The best quote in Star Trek, shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> but Wesley Crusher does have some really cool sweaters. I'm serious. Go back. If you Google Wesley Crusher sweater, I'm telling you, it's you're going to spend some money on Etsy. Well, the sweater game has gone downhill since, you know, late 80s, early 90s. It has. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. Sweaters have kind of. I'm bringing them back. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for this discussion of romance and sweaters, I'm going to go ahead and have to award Shane 5,000 blocks of beryllium and Preston. <laughs> Preston I'm going to award you 5,000 snow speeders. Oh, I could do a lot of damage. With you 5, can. Yeah, snow that's speeders. a lot of speeders. We have oh. now arrived to the two final questions. These are unique for each of you. In fact, they aren't even questions. I have quotes here. And Preston, your job is to read this quote while doing your best Yoda impression. Shane, your job is to read this quote and do your best Captain Kirk impression. (laughs) Channel my inner William Shatner. Man, I don't even know if I can do a voice. You got to go first, though. That's what we're all here to hear. I don't even know how to do a Yoda voice. Is it in like the correct like like syntax? You know, the syntax is correct. Is it okay? Oh, well, that's it's like just... half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get that high. <laughs> Third time's the, the charm. The, the quote. All right, this is difficult, Daniel. <laughs> Adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things. I can't. I can't get my voice that high. Adventure, excitement. Yeah, so you can do it better than I can. <laughs> can you do? Can you do a William Shatner or Captain Kirk impression? Do we need to swap these? That, that might be easier. This one's pretty. I mean, you can do. I mean, Shatner's like, you know what to do. You yeah, just I can, gotta, it's, like, it reads the same. You got to get like a power stance and like square your shoulders. Adventure, kind of like brace your core. Excitement, a Jedi. Craves not these things. That was perfect. Okay, I'll read my Great. quote then in Yoda voice. Okay. Um, There's no such thing as the unknown, only things temporarily hidden. <laughs> That's what <Perfect>. I can't. <laughs> Adventure, excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. Oh, that was that very was, good. That's pretty good. That was that's pretty good. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, that was. I liked my. That my was tri- good. My first try. Wow, I feel bad even having done it. It was a, mine was a wreck in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get in the mood. Are you singing? No, I was like trying to get the trying to get the voice. Ugh. Well, I appreciate you both being game for those final. Yeah, <laughs> tasks. I got it out there. We'll and edit the weird parts around yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best part of the episode. For your efforts, Preston, I'm going to award you one million x-wings 
And I'm Shane, for your efforts, I'm going to award you one million Vulcan nerve pinches. That's a lot. That's you only need one. Vulcan yeah, nerve you only pinch. need the one. But yeah. Yeah. I'll take a million X wings. <laughs> yeah, a million X wings versus like a million. Uh, that could have been one of the questions: is Star Trek versus Star Wars ships? You know. We get a whole episode about do. that. There's going to be another May the Fourth in our future. Yeah, yeah. So. Star that's... destroyers are the coolest, most useless thing in the world. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, love all of them. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm getting way off topic, but there's that whole the episode where Worf is like, "Huh, they're shooting lasers at us." Because <laughs> it's it, come on, they, yeah. they've got shields for that. And I think I'm ready to make my decision on who won Star Trek versus Star Wars. Well, if I've been keeping a mental tally, I think we're pretty even. Yeah, neck and neck, really. Yeah. But the real winner is the audience. Thank you all for listening to <laughs> this episode of the Loveland Libcast. You didn't tell us yours, though. What, what's your, <laughs> yeah, what do you have a personal favorite? favorite, Daniel? To be totally honest, I've never seen an episode or Star Trek movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> I feel slighted. It's easier, I think, for people to start and fall into Star Wars. It's more accessible oh, yeah. for a lot of people. I can't I can't argue with that. It's again I had to be older before I was like, Yeah, Star Trek, I really, really I th- dig that. I think I would enjoy it now. I think it's, the yeah. kind of philosophical almost. Oh yeah. I think I oh, would really enjoy it. They tackle a lot of really difficult subjects too. Well and I think that kind of brings us back to the point where there's a difference between the two in genre they are not both sci-fi shane and i've talked about this a lot star wars is fantasy set in a sci-fi setting while star trek is at its core sci-fi like good hard sci-fi and that's i think what divides a lot of the audience but great thing about working in the library is there's all these different things true people that love different things and it's a place where everybody can come and hash it out and find their niche and find what they're looking for is at a place like this. That is just the perfect segue to well the final thing I like to ask the guests on this podcast is, do either of you have one or two things that you'd like to recommend that can either be in the realm of science fiction or fantasy or outside of that, either books or movies or... I'll be very brief if you like hard sci-fi. The last Expanse book is out by James S.A. Corey, um, which is the pseudonym for two authors whose names I can't remember. One of them worked with a Game of Thrones guy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, I think he helped him on a couple of the Song of Ice and Fire books. And this is the Expanse series? The Expanse series, yeah. Okay. The, uh, the seventh and final book is out. Um, there's also, I think there's a show on Amazon. I haven't really seen much of it. I haven't started the, the last book, but the series is great. So if you've got some summer reading and you want to read six books... They're super easy reads, but a lot of fun. I would agree, The Expanse, but the show is good too. And then, of course, I have, I have so much here. The new Halo series, people complain, but you know nobody, there's, nobody there's gave me... There's books too. Yeah, so. there's books for Halo. It's not like anybody gave me a million dollars and was like, hey, want to make a Halo show? They made it, and I'm enjoying it for what it is. Not sci-fi, Bosch. If you've never seen Bosch, if you like detective stuff, best detective show out there. Any of the Star Trek shows are amazing. Discovery Picard, there's a new one coming out. That's great. And then since we're on podcasts, Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, if you like nerding out as much as I do, great podcast. They go through pretty much everything, Star Wars, comics, everything oh, related yeah. to Kevin them. Kevin Smith is, is yeah. like the, the archetypal nerd. Yes, so. so Fat Man Beyond, great podcast. I love listening to it. And as far as books, some underrated ones, I think, are the Monster, Monster Hunter International series. It's really good. And then I'm currently reading Mickey Seven by Edward Ashton. It's a weird sci-fi kick about dying and coming back as an expendable 
really really interesting. I'd give it a, give it a read. And if you like Star Wars, uh, Obi Wan comes it out. Comes out May twenty seventh. Yeah. They're dropping two episodes. Wow! All yeah. right. Yeah. Preston Shane, I want to thank you both again for helping us celebrate May the fourth with this very fun Star Trek versus Star Wars episode. So thank you for being on thank the you. Love One Libcast. Yeah, pleasure. May the uh, fourth be with you. <laughs> be ready for the revenge of the fifth. Oh, oh! Live long and prosper. <laughs> Peace and long life. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. May the force or fourth be with you. And I will talk to you all next time. Thank you for listening and goodbye. I know. Han? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, cut that part out. I'm definitely leaving that in. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.